Tell me who on the uh with us? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, I bang and let your brain tank snitches. All of ink with uh with riches and carry up in they hosiery. A black telling when my father busting and loaded me. Think he just finna key and dip in the D's. Don't hate me. Hey, Nicky Barnes for hitting my mom's letting the pop. Uh, I was born in the drop, ball in the pop. Shake the feds Welcome and BS Street Cops. Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. I am 4 for 4's Senior DFS Editor. Chris Raybon, joined as always by my partner in crime, Mr. TJ Hernandez. What is good, TJ? Yo, Chris, what's up, man? Just getting ready for uh, week nine. We're we're past a halfway point already. We got another uh, bunch of bye weeks, so uh, kind of a smaller slate for a main slate, but it should be a fun week. Oh, yeah. Anytime Deshaun Watson is on the slate from now on, it's going to be a fun slate. So, you know, got a lot of, to get to today. We'll talk about... Our top picks at each position for those who haven't listened before. We will also break down the entire primetime slate in depth. That is the Raiders at the Miami Dolphins and the uh, Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Before we get to that, the music that played us in today was one of my favorite songs. I was really happy when I saw you pick this, TJ. That is Bad Boys by Shine featuring Barrington Levy off Shine's self-titled album from the year 2000. That was really an underrated album because Shine kind of got locked up shortly after he released it, but a lot of bangers on that album. So for you guys that enjoyed the song and never heard Shine's album before, be sure to check it out. Self-titled, came out in 2000. Um, The song was Bad Boys, Shine featuring Barrington Levy. Also want to remind you guys that if you... Rate and review DFS MVP on iTunes and screenshot the rate and review and send it to DFS MVP at 444.com. You can get 25% off a 444 DFS subscription. Um, the subscription's been working out really well for a lot of people. I know we had uh, Deshaun Watson as our top GPP leverage score play last week so that worked out well and just a ton of other cool tools so be sure to check it out rate and review send a screenshot to dfs mvp at 444.com for your 25 percent off the 444 dfs sub let's get right into week number nine at the quarterback position tj who you going with yeah there's one guy everybody's going to be looking at but uh, I'm, I'm gonna skip that for now I'll leave it on the board uh one quarterback I'm looking at is Drew Brees. He's 8300 on FanDuel, $7,000 on DraftKings. New Orleans is favored by seven at home with the second highest implied point total of the week. They're projected to score just under uh, 29 points. And uh, Drew Brees is a, a $1,300 discount compared to the QB1 on FanDuel. And we have seen New Orleans kind of go towards a more run-heavy approach, uh, especially the past few weeks. They've been in a lot of really positive game scripts, and this should set up for a positive game script again, uh, as I mentioned, at home against Tampa Bay. But Tampa Bay is a team that uh, teams have really been attacking through the air and should be attacking through the air. The Buccaneers rank 31st in quarterback uh, schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. That's our signature metric over at 4 for 4 But they rank 14th versus running backs. Now, that's not great versus running backs, middle of the pack. But, Chris, you've been doing a lot of work on uh, funnel defenses using our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So we're we're looking for that gap. And if we find a pretty big gap, uh, we definitely want to exploit that. So I I do think New Orleans will go with a little more uh, pass-heavy attack than we've seen of late the Buccaneers have allowed 20 plus fantasy points to quarterbacks in four of their last six games and we mentioned that we adjust for uh, schedule and they've been allowing those games to quarterbacks like Case Keenum uh, Eli Manning and Carson Palmer so not even necessarily stout competition and Tampa Bay's really been struggling and then you Add to the fact it looks like uh, Brent Grimes and Rob McClain still might not be back. I I think uh, they might have been limited practice today, but uh, no word for sure if they're going to be back. Either way, they've been struggling with both of those guys in or out of the lineup. And obviously, if they're out, that's just an added boost to this uh, New Orleans passing attack. Yeah, I think Drew Brees is a really interesting play this week. We know we're looking for that efficiency over volume at the quarterback 
position and I think this is a game where Drew Brees can be ultra efficient even if he's not getting the volume that he's usually getting I mean just last week against the pretty solid Chicago defense he went 23 of 28 for 299 yards didn't have a touchdown or anything like that but Drew Brees is still his efficient self leading the league in completion percentage at 70.6 percent the only thing that's really down is his yards per game is at 278.7 the last uh, since 2011 he's been above 309.5 at least so um, that that'll probably regress a little bit I think as the Saints kind of face some tougher competition but that that strong defense has really helped them out in terms of limiting what Breeze has had to do and uh, for as for my quarterback you kind of alluded to it TJ Deshaun Watson at this point kind of an auto play 9600 on FanDuel, 8100 on DraftKings. I don't really think the price is prohibitive, especially if you're looking at cash games because uh, with with some of the things that happen, I think there's a lot of wide receiver value that you can have in cash games. And I was actually tweeting about this a little earlier on Wednesday, but I posted the top 36 PPR wide receivers and I posted it. I showed their floors and their ceiling games for 2017 along with their medians. And what you see is that pretty much every receiver has a floor between about one point and about eight points. Whereas the ceiling games uh, really vary a lot more. You have some receivers that get up to 35, 40 points, 20, uh, 30 points, and some are more in that 15 to 20 point range. So I think with, you know, you can feel okay paying up for quarterback, paying up for running back in cash games because the wide receiver floors are all kind of the same. So, you know, if you can hit maybe one ceiling play at wide receiver, it can bail out another dud or even two sometimes at wide receiver. So I do like the idea of paying up for Deshaun Watson. He is our number one value on FanDuel, even with the price tag. He's a number two value on DraftKings. Um, behind a, a very interesting play, contrarian play, if you guys want to, four for four subscribers, you guys can go check out those value reports, and I think it'll show a pretty interesting contrarian play as a number one QB value. But Deshaun Watson, he's the highest scoring player in fantasy, 26.3 DraftKings points per game, 25.3 FanDuel points per game. And this is the best matchup possible for a quarterback. The Indianapolis Colts rank dead last in 4 for 4 schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. Watson leads the NFL in touchdowns. He's got 19 passing and 2 rushing. And he's actually scored 21 of Houston's 23 touchdowns. So that's really good in a situation where you have the Texans with an implied total of over 30 points this week. Watson has also been uh, killing it in metrics like yards per attempt, 8.3, second in the league. So, uh, you know, I don't think you have to overthink it with Watson, especially in cash games. I think there's always going to be, you know, a good, you know, point to be made to, to, to fade him somewhat in tournaments just because of the ownership. But even then, I think you can kind of get creative with some of the stacks you, you use with him if you want to go at least equal exposure to the field there. So, uh, Deshaun Watson, not much more needs to be said, uh, TJ. So we could just go right into the running backs. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, there's just there's a lot of interesting stacks to be had, and I think uh, there's just going to be a, a lot of fantasy goodness in this game all around. Uh, my running back this week is Lamar Miller uh, on the Texans. He's seventy two hundred on FanDuel, sixty two hundred dollars on DraftKings, and you can use this play a couple ways. Uh, you could play him with Watson. Uh, Miller is projected as a top four running back value on both sides. There, there isn't a. a much uh, affordable running back value this week so you are going to have to try to save some money somewhere and uh, I'm not necessarily opposed to playing a, a quarterback with his running back in cash games I mean in theory you can get pretty much all of the Texans yardage in a really good spot where they're 13 point home favorites. Uh, you could also use Miller as a, a leverage play off of Watson. You mentioned that uh, Watson has accounted for 21 of 23 uh, of the Texans touchdowns, but again, he's, he's probably going to be one of the most popular plays of the week. So if you do want to roll out some uh, lineups with Miller and without Watson, I don't think it's a bad idea, but as I mentioned, uh, you, you can play them together and, any format and there's 
definitely some uh, credence to that, especially if you play uh, strictly head-to-heads because you actually get rewarded for uh, taking on a little more variance, a little more upside compared to 50-50s and double-ups where you're really just paying attention to that floor. So I actually like it even more if you're playing mostly head-to-heads. The Colts are the only team that ranks in the bottom 10 in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to every skill position, and they rank 30th against running backs. So we know uh, Lamar Miller is going to get uh, plenty of the work in a spot where Houston should be ahead by quite a bit. Uh, The the Colts have allowed the most rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs, and Miller's quietly eighth in the league in backfield touch touch share. He's accounted for just under 65% of the Texans running back touches, and he's seen fewer than 17 touches in a game just once all year. And again, uh, this game flow should dictate that he ends up on, on the higher end of what he've, we've seen this week. Um, only 10 opponents, um, but... I'm sorry, only 10 opponents and 10 all year, but Houston actually is above average in red zone rush rate. So um, so basically they they have been running at a, a pretty high rate in the red zone, just they've been converting through the air. Uh, so uh, Lamar Miller should see some more red zone opportunities than he has of late inside the red zone. Yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, 10 opportunities in the red zone. I think that's going to go up. You know, Deshaun Watson's already hit him for a couple of uh, receiving touchdowns. So uh, I think that Miller's a really good play. And I think if you really believe, as I think a lot of people will, that the Colts uh, are are this defense that's really going to give up yet another eruption spot to the Texans, then you can conceivably, if you're creating a tournament portfolio, you could conceivably create – a tournament portfolio with a hundred percent of the Texans and kind of split it with Watson in, in half of your lineups or whatever, and Miller in, in the other half. So you always have either Watson or Miller in a lineup, and then you could also um, stack them together in some lineups. And that way, whatever happens in that game, unless the backup running back scores a lot of touchdowns or, or gets a lot of production or something really crazy happens, like Houston defense special team scores a bunch of touchdowns you're probably going to be in a really good spot so um, I think you can also stack these two in cash games Um, it kind of blunts the the cost of paying for Watson because you you think about it on FanDuel instead of paying you know 96 for Watson you're paying 96 for Watson plus 75 for Miller so you're really just kind of playing 85 for two each for two studs and on DraftKings it's similar 81 and 62 so it's about uh you know you're paying about 7k each for, for a stud running back and a stud quarterback. So uh, there's there really is a lot of ways to go about this with, with Watson and Miller this week. And uh, similar thing for me with my running back, Mark Ingram, you could do the same thing with Drew Brees. The only thing that complicates that a little is Alvin Kamara. I think he'll be heavily involved as well. But as I've been mentioning on this pod the last few weeks, we cannot ignore Mark Ingram's volume, he's averaging 26.7 touches per game in the three games since Adrian Peterson has been traded, and that's really volume that you cannot get many places, and it's especially not volume you're getting for under 8K on each site. Ingram is 7,900 on FanDuel and 7,600 on DK, so that's another player you really want to think about in your cash game lineups so you don't necessarily have to go all the way up to somebody like a Todd Gurley or a Kareem Hunt this week because you're getting that that same volume from a guy like Mark Ingram. He's a home favorite, seven points, as you mentioned, TJ, um, 28.5 implied total for the Saints. Ingram has had seven of the Saints' 12 uh, red zone opportunities. That's carries plus targets since Adrian Peterson has been going, excuse me, that's inside the 10-yard line. He's had 7 of 12 inside the 10-yard line since Adrian Peterson's been gone. Kamara and Breeze have two carries each, and Michael ho Manui has uh, one target. So Mark Ingram's been their guy when they get in close. Tampa Bay's defense, as you mentioned, TJ, has struggled. And anytime a quarterback's in a good spot, I always like the running back as well, even though the matchup is pretty average in terms of schedule-adjusted fantasy points. I found that um, when I was kind of looking through all the calls I've made this year, that the one position where schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed didn't really make as much of a difference was the running back position, and that's because there are just so many guys that are going to get volume, and that's really the guys that are going to 
time and time again appear on the top of the leaderboards. I actually wrote about that in my Raybonds review article for this week, just about how dominant the stud running backs have been. If you just look at the top uh, running backs each week, starting from week one, it's basically you're going to see two, three studs in there every single week. So uh, Mark Ingram, I think he's in a great spot versus this uh, Tampa Bay defense. And TJ, it looks like we're staying in this game with your first uh, wide receiver pick for FanDuel. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just one of those weeks where there's just a, a couple of games on uh, on both sides of, of the ball that are just kind of attractive. And I mean, Michael Thomas on FanDuel, he's just he's he's very affordable. He's only seventy six hundred dollars on FanDuel. He's we have him projected as the uh, FanDuel wide receiver two, but he's priced as the wide receiver nine. And when you get a gap like that, it's just uh, it's one that you want to pounce on, especially for all the reasons that I mentioned with Drew Brees and kind of similar to like I, I mentioned about stacking. Uh, uh, Lamar Miller and Deshaun Watson. I'm I'm not necessarily opposed to stacking a quarterback and a wide receiver, even in cash games. If you are someone that's going to be playing those uh, mostly head-to-heads, where you do get uh, more more wins equals more money. I mean, he's Michael Thomas is he's two hundred dollars cheaper than Will Fuller, and I I know Fuller is has been balling and scoring touchdowns, but. Uh, we we kind of know Fuller isn't going to get the volume that Thomas is. And I mean, I would argue Thomas is the wide receiver one on his team. Fuller's obviously the two. Does he deserve that price being Will Fuller? Maybe. But uh, when you just look at that, it's it's uh, it's pretty crazy to see. And Michael, it just shows how affordable Michael Thomas is this week against. I mentioned Tampa Bay secondary, how bad they are against the pass in general. If we adjust for schedule against uh, wide receivers, they actually rank last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. I, I kind of talked about how New Orleans has been. Uh, run heavy. Uh, they've also been just running back heavy. They've been throwing a ton to their running backs in the red zone. Michael Thomas only has six red zone touchdowns. I mean, I'm sorry, red zone targets this year, but uh, going back to the beginning of his rookie year, he's been very efficient in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And I think uh, that they try to take a little more advantage of this depleted secondary of Tampa Bay. Uh, seven wide receivers have scored at least 15 PPR points against Tampa Bay this year. So that's that's basically a, a top 12 wide receiver every week. And I think Michael Thomas definitely has a wide receiver one finish well within his range of outcomes. And then on DraftKings, uh, on the other side of that Houston game, T.Y. Hilton's only $4,900. That's his lowest price in DraftKings history. And we saw it last week, Chris. You talked about it in your weekly review that uh, Houston's kind of been a, a really good correlation team, uh, a, a passing defense to target. They ranked 26 in wide receiver adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. They're allowing the highest touchdown rate through the air to opposing passers. And uh, T.Y. is a, a top three value on the main slate. And for the reasons I mentioned, he's just a correlation play in this uh, in this game where Indianapolis is probably going to have to throw a lot. Of, it's probably going to be uh, high scoring, probably on both sides. Um, I think probably people don't realize just how much. I mean, everyone's seen how much uh, Houston has been scoring, but just teams have been scoring against them a lot as well. Um, the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts have both had at least five games hit the over six for Houston and both have uh, went over their implied total five times and they've both been allowing their opponents uh, to go over their implied total uh, a lot as well. So it's just teams that these two teams, if they're involved, there's a lot of points. I think that, like I mentioned, Indianapolis is going to have to pass a lot if you are playing tournaments ty hilton's going to be a really nice pivot off of one is one of his more popular teammates that we'll get to later and in cash games i mean it's not a play that you're going to feel comfortable with but you're going to have to save salary somewhere and if you want to do something like pair deshaun watson with kareem hunt these are the kind of plays that you have to make sometimes uh so i mean under five thousand dollars he's just my favorite receiver even though the production hasn't necessarily been there for him this year yeah i like the ty call i mean i think i alluded to it you have to kind of go for these ceiling plays even in cash games a little more at the wide receiver position just because of the nature of the position and the fact that if you hit on one of them you could make up for 
a dud and, and sometimes you know if you hit a ceiling play with your wide receiver sometimes that that one ceiling play will double up you know somebody else's all three wide receivers combined their scoring if if they had kind of an average or below average uh output so i don't i don't hate that at all i think wide receiver you're always going to feel uncomfortable i mean even in the smash spots like i think we still uh, was it De- DeAndre Hopkins a few weeks ago? What was he playing Cleveland? And he only had like that one touchdown and caught like two passes when he was the mega chalk. AJ Green got bailed out um, by a touchdown last week, but he didn't really do as much as we, we expected him to do either. So, I mean, T.Y. Hilton going to Houston NRG Stadium, that that is some kind of turf, right? I, that's not That's not straight up grass, is it? Yeah, it's just like that that generic field turf. Yeah, I mean, because I know Ty definitely plays better, you know, on those fast tracks and whatnot. Um, that's why he has better home splits. But I, I do think this is a good spot for him against this this Houston defense. Their their secondary is quite old, and that's you're kind of looking for that, you know, speed receiver versus a, an older secondary. So I like the Ty call a lot on DraftKings. I'm going with Dez Bryant and just. Like Ty Des Bryant's salary is at a pretty low point. He's sixty four hundred dollars, and that's his lowest salary of the season. It's his lowest since week seventeen of last year, um, when he rested, and before that, it's his lowest since week fifteen of the two thousand and fifteen season. Now, Des leads the league in red zone targets with fourteen. He's second in targets inside the ten yard line with eight. And that's very important because, number one, Ezekiel Elliott is finally going to uh, be out. And with that, that means Des Bryant's essentially going to be the focal point of the Cowboys' offense. He's going to be the unquestioned guy that they're looking to when they're in scoring position. And in his career, Des has converted 43 of his 110 red zone targets into touchdowns. That's a 39% rate. The average rate league-wide is about... 24 23 24% it's even a little lower for wide receivers cuz it's a little higher for tight ends so 39% is stellar and another thing Des most often lines up on the left side of the formation they've been doing a better job of moving him around this year he's playing about a quarter of his snaps in the slot as well but he most often lines up on the left and that's where he'll see Kenneth Acker of the Chiefs and Kenneth Acker just recently replaced Terrence Mitchell, who was getting burned left and right. But Acker was targeted on 32% of his snaps and coverage last week, which is a really high number. He's only six foot and 195, and we know Dez is about 6'2 over 220. So Dez still has a good matchup versus a corner that Casey had to dig a bit down the depth chart for. Casey ranks 28th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers and Dez already fourth in the NFL with a 39% market share of his team's air yards per air yards.com. So that, that, that could even go up even more just because of the no Zeke there. So you're not, now you're just looking at not necessarily the market share going up, but Dallas just potentially throwing more. And that's kind of been the way to beat this chiefs, defense you kind of want to go through the air target the outside not necessarily Marcus Peters but that side with Acker you can target Steven Nelson in the slots now Dez did pop up today as we're recording this it's Wednesday night Dez did pop up with a knee on the injury report but looks like that's just um, minor apparently he's going to be fine for Sunday so I wouldn't worry about it unless um, something major pops up on on Friday because I did some research on injuries for Every position, basically, um, the article is titled How Injury Affects Weekly NFL Player Performance in Fantasy. And what I found was for wide receivers, knee injuries, only when they're questionable do they uh, limit production at all. When a, when a wide receiver is questionable with a knee injury, loses about 11.5% of his production, probable, um, no change. And, you know, if, if Brian's upgraded to a full practice, even though they took out the probable tag, if he's upgraded to a full practice and he's going, um, you got to consider him probable. Um, questionable would kind of be when guys get in limited practices or no practice at all. Um, so Dez should be fine despite that 
um, knee, and I think he's in a really good spot with a really good price. Um, this week in a game with a, a over-under that was, as we're recording this, it's around 50 points with a, a spread that's even. So this is this could be a kind of a high-scoring, close game, which is exactly what we want for our wideouts. And on FanDuel, some value kind of opened up a bit with the trade deadline going down and Kelvin Benjamin being traded to the Buffalo Bills from the Carolina Panthers. That leaves Devin Funchess as the Panthers' top wide receiver. He's only 6,100 on FanDuel and... Even with Kelvin Benjamin there, Funchess actually led the Panthers in target market share at 22%, uh, air yard market share at 32%. That's per airyards.com. And in the red zone, it's been all Funchess, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had a 26% red zone target market share. Benjamin and Funchess had a 22% each. So now that that's over... Uh, that's about three quarters of, of the team's red zone target share almost. And now you're, you're taking that 22% from Kelvin Benjamin out. Um, and we know Christian McCaffrey is kind of a, a different kind of player. So I think you see Devin Funches getting a, a ton of red zone targets if, if they can get in the red zone, which I think they should be able to do back at home. And Funches will actually run about half of his routes on the Falcons' top corner or he's supposed to be their top corner in Desmond Trufant, but all of the three Atlanta cornerbacks have actually been targeted by opposing passers at about the same rate this season, and, and Trufant is actually the one that has given up the most fantasy production, more so than uh, the other corner on the outside in Robert Alford and slot corner Brian Poole. So I don't think Trufant, at least this year, he hasn't really been a cornerback to fear, and Funchess... If you go to 4 for 4, look at the FanDuel values. Funches is the top wide receiver value priced below 7000 So if you're trying to get up to Watson and those guys, uh, Funches is could be a key uh, part of your lineup. Yeah, I like that Funches call a lot. I mean, he was someone that I was looking at last week in lineups. I mean, he's just been a really steady target guy, and uh, he's he's been pretty consistent in the red zone as well. I, I want to go back to the Dez uh, discussion because I, I do like Dez this week too, but I think a lot of people probably have a lot of questions surrounding Dallas without Ezekiel Elliott. They're obviously going to look different, uh, at least in their backfield. Do you, do you think it's as simple as they go to a, a more pass heavy approach with Zeke out? They rank, uh, they, they have the fourth highest rush rate in neutral situations uh, this year. I mean, I, this week, yeah, Kansas City is, is a team that you're going to want to throw against. Uh, they're really good against running backs, and it's going to be, it looks like a, a committee between Alfred Morris and McFadden, but do you think uh, that this hurts Dak at all, or, or this they overhaul their offense? Just kind of what is your takeaway on this offense without Zeke? I don't think they're going to overhaul their offense. I just think they'll be a little more inclined to throw the ball in certain situations. I mean, when you have somebody, when you have a top, five top three even running back in this league I think you just naturally tend toward uh, running the ball a bit more but now you have a situation where you essentially have a a top five top eight quarterback in this league and you know even Dez not as explosive as he was in his prime you know still probably a top 10 15 receiver so you're looking at a situation where you know now you know your strength the strength of your team changes and, you know, just, just given the fact that this is, you know, going to be at least on paper a high-scoring game, I think you're just going to see a, a bit more a bit more pass um, passing from Dallas, just putting it in Dak's hands more, more so than anything. I mean, I think you might even see Dak run a bit more. We know Kansas City, I believe... I believe Kansas City plays the highest amount of man coverage in the league. It's somewhere around 60%, whereas, like, the average team plays about only 30% man coverage. The average NFL team is in zone coverage more often than not. And anytime you have a defense playing man coverage, you can exploit that because their their backs are turned they're, when they're covering. So as a quarterback, you can kind of exploit that by running around. So I think you, know, you have that upside as well of Dak and Dez making some off-schedule plays. So uh, I don't think it's, it'll be an overhaul. I think they'll still um, feed the ball to, to Morris and McFadden. 
and, and do what they do. But um, in crucial situations, I think they'll just be more likely to put the ball um, in Dak's hands. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I like the I like the rushing um, point there. I mean, only four teams have allowed more rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks than the Chiefs. Tom Brady's the only one that uh, hasn't went over twenty yards versus them. So that uh, and Philip Rivers. I'm sorry, but uh, but four four have went over twenty yards. So there's uh, that definitely makes a lot of sense. The the man coverage. I just. Wanted to get your take there because I think a lot of people are probably wondering the same thing. But uh, moving on to tight ends, again, I'm, I'm going to leave a, a pretty popular pick for you. But there is a guy that I like in Cameron Brait. I, I mentioned there's uh, a couple games that I like, not just teams. And Cameron Brait's in that Saints game. And I think he is a pretty interesting spot, just because, especially because of his price. He's $6,100 on FanDuel and $4,500 on DraftKings. And uh, that's going to make him a natural pivot off of Jimmy Graham and Jack Doyle, who we have projected as the highest-owned tight ends of the week. And at these volatile positions, I mean, when you could find that perfect price pivot, a lot of times we see that in these winning lineups. It's it's just a, a pretty decent volume play, um, priced very similarly to a high-owned guy. And we're looking to exploit ownership in GPPs. And uh, Cameron Brait, he's, he's actually one of three tight ends to score at least 10 PPR points in Every single game since week three, uh, and only only nine players and only three tight ends have seen more red zone targets. So it's he hasn't been seeing crazy target volume, six point three targets per game, but that's still uh, on par with Jimmy Graham and, and Jason Witten. We haven't seen that blow up spot yet, but when you're getting that many red zone targets, uh, it's definitely something you want to pay attention to. And as I mentioned, he's been relatively consistent. the The Buccaneers are seven point underdogs, but it's a fifty point over under. And as I mentioned, Brates kind of been their go-to red zone guys so uh if the game's even a little bit closer than expected buccaneers could have quite a few red zone opportunities and and i like Brate as that pivot play right and remember what we learned last week about i mean we've we've talked about this plenty of times but opposing passing game correlations and i think the new orleans saints are going to obviously be the higher owned offense on this slate and if they're having a lot of success, then, well, this Tampa Bay offense is essentially cheaper pretty much across the board. I guess Mike Evans and Michael Thomas are around the same price, but you can get Winston for cheaper. You can you can get Braid out there. I guess New Orleans doesn't really have a tight end at this point, but you can get a lot of cheaper receivers on, on the Tampa Bay side uh, compared to Ingram and Breeze and Michael Thomas. So, I definitely like that a lot. I think Cameron Braid is a guy you almost have to consider having at least some exposure to every week, even if you're not going necessarily super overweight, but you know maybe just ten percent if you if you make a lot of tournament lines, just because this guy is just very active in the red zone and he's catching balls on third down, so he's gonna be one of the more consistent fantasy plays and have some of the higher upside pretty much every week. Uh, for me, I'm going with Jack Doyle and he's 5,700 on FanDuel, 4,300 on DraftKings. I do expect him to be the most popular tight end on both sites, but it's for really good reason. Now, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but with wide receivers, targets and targets per game it aren't the end-all be-all when it comes to predictiveness, especially after you get in a sample size of higher than five games you actually want to look at straight up fantasy production because there are just so many different types of wide receiver profiles and target types and where you're getting those targets and how deep they are and whatnot but for tight ends targets are a bit more predictive because there is there the position is just so thin first of all that there's only so many tight ends getting a decent amount of targets and the targets vary a lot less, you know, there's not like a tight ends getting targeted 20 yards down the field than others getting targeted like five. So um, Jack Doyle, he actually averages 7.9 targets per game. That's third in the league, but only 0.1 behind the league leaders, Zach Ertz and Rob Gronkowski. And he Doyle is trending upwards, has 11, 7, and 14 targets over his last three games. That's a 10.7 target per game average over his last three. That leads all tight ends in... Houston is 20th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position. We saw them just give up the two uh, touchdowns to Jimmy Graham last week. And if we believe this Houston offense is going to put up a lot of points, then 
if they're if the Colts are in comeback mode, Doyle could eat versus those prevent defenses, just kind of catch those five to seven yard passes over the middle underneath that zone and keep it moving. So I think Doyle is another guy you really want to consider in game stacks with the Houston Texans. Yeah, and one one thing that I mean we didn't mention with the tight ends, we both had some some uh, cheaper guys here, but it looks like at least according to four for four projections that ownership's going to be slanted a lot towards these more expensive guys, and they're, they're I mean on this short week they're just aren't that many options so going with someone like i mean yeah doyle is going to be very popular but going with like someone uh like brate or um doyle if people do end up trying to force those higher price tight ends is just going to give you uh, a more unique lineup and even if Doyle is the highest owned tight end, there's just going to be a huge chunk of uh, lineups that have expensive tight ends. So these are these are the two guys, if you're paying down, that I, I definitely think you should be looking for. Most definitely. Uh, who you got at kicker? Kicker, we're, I mean, we're, we've been talking about this game the whole uh, the whole podcast. So, so why uh, why stick away from it? Uh, Kaimi Fairbarn. I was I was before the podcast. I was practicing his whole name, and I was going to try to pronounce it on the pod, but it just I, I couldn't. I tried maybe twenty times, and I couldn't do it. So I, I apologize to anybody that uh, if you want to help me pronounce that, uh, hit me up on Twitter. Five thousand uh, dollars on on Fanduel. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but his. Full full name has like 25 letters so we got to figure it out if anybody can yeah if anybody can pronounce it um hit us up uh i mean we've talked about this game houston's favored by 13 they have the highest projected point total of the week at 31 uh it's going to be really high scoring i don't think that it's necessarily going to be uh tough to get up to that five thousand dollar kicker price uh he is our top value despite that price and I, i believe he shows up in the four for four optimal lineup. So there should be just enough value to be able to get up to him. And he should have uh, tons of, of scoring opportunities this week. Yeah. And he's also a leverage play. If for some reason Houston gets stalled out in the red zone or something like that, or let's say, you know, a couple, like one of their guys goes off, but you know, like let's say Hopkins goes off, but maybe Miller or Fuller or somebody doesn't. And, you know, Fairbairn ends up being one of the highest scoring kickers. If you, if you stack, let's say, you know, Watson, Hopkins, Fairbairn, uh, instead of Watson, Watson, Hopkins, Fuller, or Watson, Hopkins, Miller, somebody like that, um, that could actually be the stack. So, yeah, don't forget about those kickers on FanDuel when, when you're creating those tournament stacks because a lot of times you see you see those, uh, those kickers in those high-scoring games in those lineups, and a lot of people kind of go a different direction because they don't want to – they think it's like a negative correlation. But, in fact, it, kickers are actually pretty – relatively to other positions anyway – positively correlated with pretty much every player on the offensive team so um, definitely something to think about for defense special teams I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles at home against the Denver Broncos and the Broncos are going to be starting somebody that uh, Mike Lombardi on the uh, GM Street podcast on the ringer refers to as the heist for for all that money he got out of Houston and then the way you know he got they went to Cleveland got that pick and you know he's he's going to be starting this week and Denver is already dead last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, opposing defense special teams and I really like that metric because it not only incorporates quarterback play things like sacks and picks and whatnot but it also incorporates just a team's overall tendency to turn over the ball and, and how they play on special teams, you know, give up, giving up special teams, touchdowns and whatnot. And, you know, Denver, for example, their punt returner, Isaiah McKenzie has already fumbled four times. I know John Gruden was talking about it a lot on Monday night uh, football last week. So yeah, I think this is a really good spot. You know, Philly's favored by eight points as we record this. Denver's implied total is 17.75 and Defense special teams points are correlated, uh, essentially negatively correlated, because as in opponent implied point total goes down, uh, defensive special team scoring goes up. So um, that's always something to look for. The Broncos are 29th in adjusted sack rate allowed, and I particularly think that uh, Phil, Philly's rusher Brandon Graham has a mismatch on Denver's right tackle Menelik Watson. So that's something to look out for. You could get a couple of sacks that way. And the Eagles are the top value on 4 for 4 
on DraftKings and they give you a $500 discount on the Jacksonville Jaguars who are another defense in a good spot this week and uh, the Eagles are also the number two value on, on FanDuel and they give you a $100 discount on the Jaguars so um, good spot for the Philadelphia Eagles who are the best team in football right now according to win-loss record, but fantasy football fans, listen up. It's not too late to download the highest-rated fantasy football app, Draft. Play in a real live snake draft, but be done in under five minutes, and they last for just one week. Draft start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now for week number nine. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash. And get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than on the salary cap sites. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code 4 for 4 That's right. Play a real money game for free just by using the promo code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4, and it gets even better. Draft is so sure. You'll love it that they're even offering DFS MVP listeners a money-back guarantee of up to $100. So just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play free right now with promo code 4 for 4 Now let's get into this primetime slate. We have the Oakland Raiders, three-point favorites in Miami and we have the Detroit Lions as two-and-a-half-point favorites in Green Bay. So both of the underdogs, the Dolphins and the Packers, have implied totals of 20.25, and the Raiders have an implied total of 23.25, while the Lions' implied total is 22.75. So you have kind of two really similar games here so I guess we'll start with quarterback TJ who do you like out of these uh, four quarterbacks on this slate yeah I mean I I think this slate is kind of just more about uh, uh fading the the worst quarterback and it looks like it's going to be Brett Hundley I mean none of these games are necessarily going to be too high scoring uh, f- I think they're all projected to score 40 they're both projected to score 43 and a half for one 43 for the other uh relatively close spread so neither team with a huge implied point total i i like the correlation of the uh the raiders and the dolphins the passing game just both of these passing defenses have have struggled quite a bit uh only four teams allowing more fantasy points per pass attempt than the raiders and only two allowing more uh yards per attempt and then uh we look at uh data inside the red zone uh teams have uh oh uh, Miami and Oakland have passed uh fifth and sixth respectively uh highest rates inside the red zone and their defenses have have been pretty bad too Oakland um has allowed the I'm sorry Miami has allowed the third highest touchdown rate inside the red zone both teams allowing uh top 2 in in completion percentage allowed so it just uh it, both of these secondaries have really struggled and I I think that uh because it is such a short slate, I, I like to try to game stack when I can. And I think uh, pairing these opposing passing games is as good as it's going to get. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal because we've seen the Raiders really struggle. And then Miami is a offense that uh, is obviously in disarray, but it looks like they're going to get Jay Cutler back. We know that they have a very concentrated passing game. Only one team passes more uh, to their wide receivers in terms of percentage of targets. So we at least know that the targets are going to go to Jarvis Landry. And it looks like Devontae Parker's going to be back. Uh, so I, I, it's probably Derek Carr, the top quarterback for me, but I just like that correlation play. Like I mentioned, you're probably playing multiple lineups. If you're playing a short slate and kind of just picking your, your player pool and, uh, covering your bases where you can. And that's, that's going to be, uh, my, my first course of action. At least you think Brett Hundley is the worst quarterback on the slate over Jay Cutler. Uh, I, I just think just because of, of the matchup that Cutler has with the really bad Oakland secondary, I think that uh, you you can make the case that uh, uh, Landry and Parker uh, match up uh, pretty good against the secondary. And, I mean, Hundley's been been really, really bad. I mean, the sample size is small, but um, only I, th- I think he only has one touchdown on uh, 60-some-odd attempts. Um, 
has thrown four or five interceptions, I believe. But I, I mean, yeah, I mean, just from a, a real quarterback perspective, maybe not. But uh, week nine fantasy, I think probably so. Yeah, I don't know. I like I like I like Hundley here because I think he's going to be the lowest owned quarterback of the four. And I don't I don't I mean, I, I do think Carr kind of stands out as the top play um, with Stafford probably second. But I don't think it's that big of a disparity to where especially because Hundley has some some rushing equity. Um, I don't think it's like that big of a disparity to where Hundley can't end up as the highest scoring quarterback. And I don't know if he's necessarily going to to be owned like it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really have a problem playing any of the, the four guys there. Uh, what about running back? We got to talk about this uh, dolphin situation. So they traded Jay Ajayi. Now we have Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams left. They're both 4,500 hours on FanDuel. So they're the minimum there on DK. Uh, Williams is 4,400 and Drake is 4,500. Now the early reports are that, Drake is going to be the early down back. Williams going to get the more of the passing down work this season. Not, neither of them have been impressive. Drake, 10 carries, 25 yards, three catches, seven yards and six targets. And Williams, 12 carries, 32 yards and eight catches on 13 targets for 50 yards receiving. The thing worth noting is Kenyon Drake is the only Adam Gase draft pick among the running backs. So TJ, any thoughts on this Miami backfield? Uh, I mean, other than I'm probably just going to avoid it. Uh, not many thoughts. I mean, my one point was the point that you just made. The the, the draft pedigree points towards Drake as, as being, if someone emerges as the workhorse, it being Drake, third-round pick out of Alabama. Um, uh, Damian Williams, undrafted. Drake's younger. Obviously, like you said, it's a gay sky. But uh, I, I think the way to attack this, this Oakland uh, team is through the air and Miami's an underdog and I just don't know if there's going to be many red zone or, or rushing opportunities inside the 10 for this team. Again, just not going to be very high scoring because this team is kind of in disarray. There is an outside chance that uh, Oakland bounces back from that ugly game last week and just kind of lays it on Miami. I mean, we do know they have the offense to do that and I don't think Miami does. So that could leave the, the running backs uh, uh, just really unusable in fantasy. And then on the other side, Miami is they're kind of they're a funnel defense. They're top top six against running backs and adjusted fantasy points allowed. And Oakland isn't I mean, yes, Marshawn is back, but he was supposed to be back at practice and missed the first day. Uh, DeAndre Washington and, and Jalen Richard didn't necessarily look great, but uh, Lynch hasn't hasn't really had any great games, especially in bad matchups outside of uh, outside of those first couple of weeks. So again, it's kind of just these two passing attacks that I want. If I'm looking at running backs, I, I think it's it's pretty much just uh, Amir Abdullah and Aaron Jones, and then probably if you're playing DraftKings throw one of these receivers in the flex we haven't got to to Detroit or Green Bay yet but all the pass catchers are just much more attractive than the running backs on this slate yeah and Aaron Jones I guess we didn't get a chance to to talk much about it because Green Bay went on a bye but he's averaged 18 touches per game in each of his uh he's averaged 18 touches per game in his three starts and he's been at 80 percent or better in snap rate in two of those three, including 80% in his last game, Ty Montgomery only played on uh, 13% of the snaps in their last game. So Aaron Jones has essentially taken over as that lead back. And it makes sense only because it looks like Green Bay wants to transition to a more run-heavy attack in the absence of Aaron Rodgers. And Jones has proven that he is the better runner, at least, this season, we know Ty Montgomery had a high yards per carry average last season, but this season it's been Jones averaging that 5.6 yards per carry, whereas Ty Montgomery is only at 3.1. So I think at home, coming off the bye, Aaron Jones, even though they're an underdog, I think he's in a really good spot. And not only does Jones have the high snap rate, but he's actually got a 15% market share of Brett Hunley's targets. That's third on the team. So he's actually getting more passing game work than Montgomery, which makes sense because Montgomery really just hasn't been on the field much. 
Detroit is the average matchup, 16th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back position, but Aaron Jones is probably the top running back play on the slate. On the other side, you mentioned Amir Abdullah, 16.3 touches per game on 45% of the snaps. He'll be kind of that guy, but the problem with him is you know he, he does get pulled at times in, in the red zone or at the goal line, and he will give up some of that passing down work to Theo Riddick. So you're essentially counting on Abdullah to kind of hit a big runner, hoping that they get in close and they leave him in the game. But on, on such a short slate, Abdullah, just for his talent alone, does carry good upside, I think, especially as the favorite. Green Bay, actually the best matchup of these four teams, four running backs, 25th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. Theo Riddick playing 42%, uh, 40% of the snaps, excuse me, averaging uh, 3.6 receptions per game only 3.1 carries so he's kind of a tough sell you know he could conceivably he'll be on the field enough to where he has a chance to catch you know five six balls and and catch a touchdown but um just really the usage hasn't been there as much for him this year as it has been in years past and given the fact that green bay uh that detroit excuse me is a favorite might not be the best week to use riddick but of course on these short slates we know anything can happen uh, TJ you mentioned the wide receivers who who's your top two or top two wide receiver plays that you really um, are looking to kind of lock in uh, in your lineups yeah I think especially if I'm playing on DraftKings uh, Jarvis Landry we just know he's he's just going to get that target volume in this offense I mean I think it's the, the second highest market share in the league and then uh, after that I mentioned I want to attack uh, this game stat kind of first I probably give Crabtree the slight nod just because Miami has struggled so much in the red zone versus the pass. Although um, I, I actually I still like Crabtree. Talked about it last week on the podcast. Just that kind of pendulum swinging back and forth between uh, these Oakland receivers. So I like both of them, but uh, I, I do give the nod to Crabs in this matchup. Yeah, Jarvis Landry has a thirty-two percent target market share. That's third in the entire league and you know Crabtree's just been producing I mean I think Cooper's in a good spot as well these Miami corners really uh, Xavier Howard and Cordrea Tankersley both you know can be exploited Uh, Crabtree should run more of his routes on the rookie Tankersley he's been giving up the most fantasy production but we know Amari Cooper's upside I think if you're playing cash games or something Crabtree has shown that he's going to be the safer more consistent option he's got 80 yards or a touchdown in every game that he has finished so uh, Crabtree's in a good spot um if you're looking at the you know oh yeah and Devontae Parker as you mentioned TJ could be back for Miami I think that would be a, a pretty good high upside play there it would knock down Kenny Stills a little bit but Kenny Stills still getting a, a good market share of the team's air yards so he's always a tournament play if you're looking for that because because of the deep ball though you know Jay Cutler has been struggling and then if you go to this Detroit Green Bay game for Brett Hundley 25% of his targets have gone to Devontae Adams and 22% have gone to Jordy Nelson we'll see exactly what Detroit does with Darius Slay I can't imagine they'd Tra- travel him uh, against Hundley, even though uh, you have Nelson, but who knows? I mean, Minnesota actually shadowed Devontae Adams with Xavier Rhodes when they played. I'm not sure exactly if that was because they wanted to do the thing where they double the number one and then use the their top corner on the number two, or they actually considered Adams as that as a number one guy. I mean, he certainly has played, I think, better than Jordy Nelson this season, but, um, you know, Again, Adams getting the work for the, the most work for Green Bay under Hundley. And for for the Lions, you have Marvin Jones. Um, do you, TJ, do you like Marvin Jones or Golden Tate more in this matchup? Marvin Jones actually 25% market share of air yards per air yards.com. That leads the team. And, and him and Tate are essentially equal in target market share. Jones is at 19% and Tate is at 20%. Um, but Tate, he's had those seven seven catches in four games already, but only 10.8 yards per catch. Yeah. I mean, uh, this one is, this one's pretty close for me. Uh, I think they're actually both pretty good plays against the secondary, uh, prob 
probably give Tate just the slight nod because we've seen a, a longer um, uh, consistent volume from him, but they're both really nice plays in this spot against Green Bay. Um, man, I I like Tate just because I, I've seen him get more. We've seen Marvin Jones just kind of disappear off the map on this offense, and I think that's really the only thing that gives uh, makes me give Tate the nod. Yeah, and you mentioned it, Green Bay one of the most highly targeted teams uh, at the wide receiver position, opposing quarterbacks are aiming 61% of their passes at wide receivers uh, against Green Bay. And that's one of the highest rates in the league. Most teams are under the 60% mark. So definitely a, a place to attack Green Bay. They rank 23rd in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two wide receivers and then um, at tight end Jared Cook's obviously the top option here Miami is 27th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position and then we have Martellus Bennett Eric Ebron Julius Thomas and Darren Fells all projected within a point and a half of each other Um, all of them face top ranked Schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed defenses versus the tight end position, except Martellus Bennett. The Lions ranked 22nd. Are there any of those guys, you know, if you're pivoting off Jared Cook, is there any of those guys that you prefer more than than another? I mean, I don't think we can even touch the Detroit tight ends at this point. Um, obviously, Ebron is is kind of fell out of favor there. He's there. We're uh, rumoring trade talks didn't happen. And then uh, Fells has been the one that, that's caught a few touchdowns. Uh, I suppose Bennett um, it, just because of the matchup, but Cook's clearly the top option for me. The The best matchup, according to adjusted fantasy points allowed, uh, at least of the skill positions, as you mentioned, Miami 27th, that's the lowest of, of any of these defenses against the skill positions. But uh, Cook and then Bennett, and then I, I don't really want anything to do with in either of the other tight ends. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's, it's an ugly, ugly uh, slate for the tight end position. What about uh, any contrarian wide receiver plays? Sometimes you need those one of those guys to hit in a tournament. Um, there's not really many options. I guess it really comes down to, you know, Randall Cobb. He's 4,900 on DK. Kenny Stills is 4,700. TJ Jones, 3,700. Uh, and Seth Roberts, who has been getting a ton of snaps. Uh, six targets last week, but only one catch um, in week seven, excuse me. Uh, so he, yeah, so huh, he didn't, did he not play last week? I don't see him. I don't see his game log on, um, <laughs> on DK, but yeah, any of those guys stand out and just in terms of, you know, somebody looking for maybe a, a contrarian pivot play at, at the wideout position. Yeah. The only one that stands out to me is TJ Jones, just because Detroit has, um, the least concentrated offense. We kind of know where all the targets are going to go in, in the other offenses. You got you got Crabtree and um, and Cooper. You got uh, you got Parker and Landry, and then you got um, Nelson and Adams. And then Lions. They're going to kind of spread it out. They have the highest red zone passing uh, rate in the league without like a dominant red zone target. So if there is one of those guys for me, it's T.J. Jones. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because, as you mentioned, the Lions, they kind of do have that, like their top receiver has the lowest uh, target market share. So that just kind of shows that they like to uh, spread it out a a little bit more. Um, And I think, you know, Cordero Patterson, now that I look at it, so he actually played 88% of the snaps last week. So I guess if, if people are looking for kind of that dart throw, I guess Patterson could be in the mix as well played 87 pretty 88 percent of the snaps last week got four targets so um we already know you know not really a great receiver but can always break a uh, long play so you could double dip patterson with the raiders defense because I, I think they are the top play miami's 31st and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed and i think Cordero Patterson's averaging the lot has the longest kick return average this year. So, I mean, if you roster him and then get a return touchdown, like that's one of those plays that could really separate you from the field. Yeah. He's averaging 30.9 yards per kickoff return. He actually has 11 kickoff returns, which isn't bad considering kickoff returns are becoming kind of a, a rare thing in this NF in this today's NFL. Um, so yeah, I, I do like the, the Cordero Patterson call. He's third in the league in kick return average, uh, only 
Bobby Rainey and Farrell Cooper. At, well, actually, no. Only Far- only Bobby Rainey averages more. He's tied with Farrell Cooper for second place. So, yeah, definitely an explosive kick returner, dart throw kind of play that you could throw in there um, if, if you're looking to kind of get some differentiation in tournaments. And, yeah, I think the you already mentioned it, the, the Dolphins pretty bad against uh, opposing defense uh, special teams. And the Lions... Um, they aren't very good either. They're 27th in schedule adjusted fancy points allowed. So I think, you know, looking for a contrarian play, I think the Green Bay Packers, they are at home. Um, we know that Lions offensive line has been struggling at times. So um, you could kind of, that's another kind of contrarian play that you could look to if you're trying to get some differentiation in tournaments. But let's get into our bowl calls, TJ. Who you got for a game? Uh, game. I mean, we, we kind of stuck to two games, so I'm going to, I'm going to give the listeners, uh, another team to stack. I, I think Philly is the first team to score over 30 points against the Broncos this year. Uh, the Eagles have went over their implied total seven times. Five teams have went over their implied total versus Denver this year. Only the Colts have allowed more teams to go over their implied total. And then, uh, you mentioned, Brock Osweiler earlier, if if uh, Philly can can get going against Brock and uh, that offense just is ends up being even worse than it has, then uh, Philly could maybe get a couple defensive touchdowns, get the ball in really good field position. So it uh, doesn't sound crazy, 30 points, but Denver hasn't allowed 30 this year. So Philly over 30 points this week. Interesting. I like it. Yeah, I think Philadelphia's offense is going to be in a good spot even against Denver, as long as they can um, get that left tackle situation uh, sorted out, make sure Vomil is not going too crazy on him. Uh, for my game bowl call, I like the Baltimore Ravens to go into Tennessee and beat the Titans. And the reason just because I think the Ravens are one of those teams that they can kind of beat a team like the Titans, even on the road, because the Titans are a team that we saw this against Cleveland. They're not necessarily always going to blow you out and the Ravens have a good defense a very good pass defense and then their run defense is actually pretty good with Brandon Williams healthy so you know, we kind of saw that Ravens defense at full strength last week they got their second shutout and you know you kind of have to really start noticing a defense when they get a couple of shutouts and you're only halfway done with the season and, and again you know Cleveland uh, Tennessee couldn't even score a touchdown against the Cleveland Browns so uh, I know they're at home, but this is a situation where because Tennessee likes to go a little bit run heavy, they're not necessarily going to just um, run away with the game. And I think if you have a game that stays kind of low scoring and close, anything could happen. And I think an underdog is more likely to win in that scenario. So uh, like Baltimore over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, what about a player bowl call, TJ? Yeah, we talked a lot about correlation on this podcast, and, and I talked about uh, the the Colts and the Texans and how much scoring has been involved in both of uh, both of those teams' games. I like Jacoby Brissett as a top five fantasy quarterback this week. It might sound crazy, but uh, Houston is their secondary has really struggled. And after the top three or four quarterbacks, there's a lot of guys this week with a lot of question marks. Uh, some tough matchups, some guys in some tough situations, uh, low scoring games. And I mean, we saw the correlation last week. We've seen it so many times in DFS before. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, top five fantasy quarterback this week. I like it, man. I think that correlation is key, especially when you're playing a team like Houston who can run up that score. I thought Indianapolis hung with Cincinnati, which is a pretty good defense. Uh, well last week only ended up losing by I think it was a point so I uh, do like that call a lot for my player bowl call I'm gonna go probably even more off the map but I like Curtis Samuel to have a breakout game for those that don't know he is a rookie wide receiver second round pick of the Carolina Panthers ran a 4.31 40-yard dash that is in the 100th percentile is the 88th percentile spark athlete uh 91st percentile speed score you can find all that information on playerprofiler.com but i think that one of the main reasons that interim general manager of the panthers marty herney said he traded kelvin benjamin was because his 
he was kind of redundant with Devin Funches and they wanted to get more speed on the field. And uh, I think Curtis Samuel is kind of what he was talking about when he mentioned that now Cam Newton had his best season ever in 2015. And that was without Benjamin. But what Cam Newton did have that year was Ted Ginn and Philly Brown playing a lot of snaps. And with those speed guys, he was able to post a, a quarterback rating over 99. That was almost 15 points higher than his career average and, and 10 points higher than any other season. So I think, you know, the experiment of the Twin Towers, it made, it made a little bit of sense just because Cam, he's usually inaccurate high with his when he's throwing. But I think having two of those guys on the field doesn't really um, help as much because both of those guys don't get open very quickly. And one thing they wanted to do with Cam was kind of get him the ball out of his hands quicker. But with Samuel, I think he's going to get some increased snaps this week. He actually played 61% of the snaps in the game where Kelvin Benjamin got hurt early with the knee injury. So I think you're going to see Samuel at least at that this week. I mean, he might even become a full-time player. I think they want to kind of get him into that Ted Ginn role. I think before the season started, they wanted to uh, use him as a slot receiver, but Russell Shepard has kind of emerged as that guy. So now I think they've kind of rethunk it a little bit. But I think they're going to take some shots to Samuel because they mentioned that they want to open up their the field for the rest of their running game and just for, for the middle uh, of the field in general for, for when they're throwing. And I think to do that, you, you got to put the guy out there, but you also got to take a couple of deep shots to him. So if, if one of those connect, you're in a, you're in a good spot in the tournament. You know he's going to have pretty, pretty low ownership. I'd guess it's probably under 3%. So um, if you're looking for kind of that dart throw tournament guy, I might be a little early on him, but as, at one of, one of these days before the season's over, I think he this guy is so fast that he's going to have kind of that breakout game. So uh, I'm calling it for him uh, this week. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I mean, I, th- I think people are going to be looking at, at Russell Shepard if they're looking for a cheap play and then Hey, I mean that was the first comp I thought of when when they got rid of uh, of of Benjamin. Just if Cam's gonna do one thing, he's gonna throw it as far as possible and let someone run under it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully Samuel has better hands than Ted Ginn, but you know we shall <laughs> yeah. we shall see. Ted Ginn doing very well for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, let's see what else we got here. That's about it. So thank you guys for tuning in to DFS MVP. Hope the podcast helps you guys with your week nine lineup decisions. Again, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a rate and review. And if you screenshot that rate and review on iTunes and send it to DFS MVP at 444.com, we will give you 25% off a 444 DFS subscription for your troubles. Follow TJ Hernandez on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Follow me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. If you're into season-long fantasy, be sure to check out uh, John Paulson's The Most Accurate Podcast. You can find a link for that on 444.com. Any last words before we get out of here, TJ? Yeah, I just hope everyone comes back next week shining with some shmoney. Let's get this shmoney. Another charge as the golf stream fly through the fog. Make it popular. Pockets filled with more high notes than the opera. Franklin's on top of the Jacksons. Tyler, you tie. Bad boy. Respect in the die. Coward. What type of d- is slanging bang in the streets? Bad boy. What type of d- stay in the trunk for weeks? Bad boy. What type of d- fly in the cool? Bad boy. Aim for the sky. Bad boy. What type of slang and bang in the streets? Bad boy. What type of stay in the trunk for weeks? Bad boy. What type of fly vent in the cool? Bad boy. Aim for the sky. Bad boy.